Hello and welcome to Chapter by Chapter, the podcast where two idiots go over your favorite literal heroes, I guess. I'm your host, yeah, Will that's Cowan. It. That's what, that's, yep. <laughs> that's the show. He's Will and I'm Steve. How's it going today, Steve? Today is a pretty good day. Today's a special day. Today's a special day. Uh, this isn't the beginning of our next season on Dune. I know uh, there are a few of you that we've talked to that are waiting for it, but uh, we're still in the midst of making that bad boy happen. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work, man, to do a daily show. It turns out, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but in the meantime, I've already posted a, 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 spe- a bonus episode from the Sci-Fi Punks to kind of tie this over, but it's still taking a little while. So I decided, Steve and I decided, that we wanted to do another special, special, longer episode. Well, uh, for here's you guys. the thing: is that we thought that you know, in the month of October, it'd be fun to get a little spooky and do maybe some you know one-off sort of horror episodes. So we thought that was a great idea, and we decided we were going to do that. And you know, it didn't work out because it's not October anymore. That's the thing. <laughs> no, everyone. that's so we are recording this in November. <laughs> Yeah, and probably you know. So here's the thing: like this, it's our Halloween episode, baby, babies. <laughs> Woo! This is our Halloween episode, babies. I don't know. It, Cut all that out. Yeah, Let me say this again. This is our Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, leave all that shit in. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, things. Some things work out. Some things don't. But either way, we did. We we here we are. So we have this. We're doing a one-off episode, and and like I said, it's it is it is going to be spooky because Halloween isn't about the time of the year; it's about that place in your heart. No, it's about the eternal jack-o'-lantern burning Ugh. inside of you. Okay, it's about the spiders and the skeletons that live inside your brain. That's beautifully said. Beautifully said. So. This so with that being said, this is a divergence from our regular fantasy and sci-fi explorations, and this time it is horror. Yeah, well, it still deals with a little bit of sci- science fiction. We didn't want to, and and a little bit of fantastical elements. Today we are looking at the story "The Color Out of Space" by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, for anybody that's familiar with H.P. Lovecraft, that he has a, a a fantastic library of weird, bizarre myth mythos characters, and it's it, and everything is just so quintessentially Lovecraft, and it's all driving, it's all taking inspiration from science fiction and fantasy, but it's making it into its own congealed misformed alpaca which we'll get into (laughs) oh yeah uh so i mean it goes without saying but uh going forward in this episode will be full spoilers for the color out of space short story as well as uh we'll take a look at the movie adaptation of it as well at the end maybe yes the movie apt adaptation directed by richard stanley and starring the incorrigible Nick Cage. Beautiful. Who I have to Beautiful. say, like right off the top, before we even get into the book, that guy was on point for that movie. He was. He was full cage. But we, we got to we, we wait. We got to wait for that. I got to shut it down. Yeah, you're totally right. So let's talk Let's talk about the book here, Steve. So, <clears throat> well, before we talk about the book, actually, <laughs> uh, what is your relationship with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft? Where, where, 
Where did you first hear about H.P. Lovecraft? Have you read other stories of H.P. Lovecraft? I couldn't tell you where I first heard of H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know. At some point when I was a spooky little teenage boy, probably, you know, probably. Um, I've read about, I've read a handful of the oh, yeah. stories over the years. I've seen a bunch of movies based on it. You know, there's so much in pop culture that's all based or inspired by Lovecraft. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't, uh, I haven't really done a deep dive, which is why I'm excited to sort of do this. And like, I hope we come back to some more, uh, Lovecraftian tales because, uh, they're out there, man. Yeah, they, they are, they are out there and they're a lot of fun to read. They're a little hard to read actually. When you're first getting into it, it's, um, there's very little dialogue. Everything is, um almost past tense it's per it's a person basically telling you a story that happened before the events of them telling you a story uh it's almost like logs in a way like it, it it's a very interesting way to write uh stories and he does it very well like once you kind of crack that lovecraft code and you start to see like how to read it or learn how to read it it becomes a lot of fun to read mm-hmm I think I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as you, Steve. Uh, when it comes to my relationship with H.P. Lovecraft, it's just one of those things that as you're growing up, you just kind of like absorb, you know, like Friends references. You just like well, know them. I mean, <laughs> <You don't... laughs> speak for yourself, okay? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It's all around us and it permeates us, travels through us. Yeah, yeah. There's a. Uh, there's plenty of video games. There's tons of little like merch things. Like even if you go into Walmart, I'm pretty sure you can get a little Cthulhu uh, picky bank. Yeah, you can get a little plush really HP Lovecraft, and you squeeze his belly, and yeah. it tells you horrific nightmare tales. <laughs> I would spend money on that. That'd be Cthulhu's cool. Cthulhu's big though, or Cthulhu, or however you want to pronounce it. But that that made a comeback with uh, spooky teenagers. I think in the past few years, I. Yeah, Cthulhu. I say Cthulhu because I think it just sounds a little bit cooler. I don't. Th- I don't think there's a proper way to say I it. I think Cthulhu sounds better. I think Cthulhu. It's just it, it. Cthulhu. When you say it that way, it 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 just sounds a little bit more alien to me. Oh boy. So yes, uh, it's you can't really go anywhere talking about H.P. Lovecraft without mentioning Cthulhu in some form or facet. Uh, I've even played a couple video games that are based on the. Uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu mythos, and uh, those are pretty cool. Lot, lots of them follow that same sort of um, uh, f- horror game formula, the survival horror where you don't have any weapons, um, and you're just like you have to like learn the story just by reading text and shit like that. Those are a lot of fun uh, to get into the H.P. Lovecraft story, and that Cthulhu is the the door opener for the rest of the H.P. Lovecraft mythos, and that includes the color out of space. Um, in theory, and now I could be completely wrong about this, but through all my experience with reading H.P. Lovecraft, uh, and I haven't read a lot, I won't, I won't, I won't go ahead and say that. Like I've maybe read like two or three stories, so I'm not like the biggest fan. But in my experience with it, and in my research uh, of H.P. Lovecraft throughout the years, um, it all seems to be taking place in um, a shared universe, not the not the same universe. I, you know what I mean? But like a shared universe. Yeah. Yeah. Because H.P. Lovecraft, like even in this story, Color Out of Space, everything is kind of dealing with the the subjectivity of reality. 
Oh, big you time. Know, and and psychosis. It's a very interesting world, and it's a lot of fun to go in, uh, get into. Um, so I want to get into uh, Color Out of Space. Before we do, I think it, we have to go ahead and say it right off the top. There are certain views of H- HP Lovecraft, um, even though we are talking about HP Lovecraft, and I'd say we're relative fans of HP Lovecraft. He, HP Lovecraft cer- does hold certain views that we do not share. Uh, yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the. Um, I mean, if there is actually anyone somehow listening to this who does not know who HP is, I mean, it, it he. The, these stories were written a very long time ago. They are very dated in many ways, um, including some of the views, as you said. Yeah, I just want to get that out from the from the top. Not to get started with a downer, but I think it's important. But let's, anyways, now that we're past that, Moving let's on. talk about Color Out of Space. So Color Out of Space is a short story that H.P. Lovecraft wrote back in 1927. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft did a lot of stories throughout his life, but a lot of them didn't make any sort of like splash until he died. He didn't really have any sort of following until until his passing. And Color Out of Space is one of those stories that ended up becoming one of those classics, I think. It's celebrated a little bit more. It even got a, a film adaptation, which we'll talk about. Uh, so the story is about a man, an unnamed narrator, and he comes to a uh, he comes to Arkham, I think believe is a town in Massachusetts that lots of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories take uh, take place. Um, even the H.P. or not the H.P. Lovecraft show, the, the the Lovecraft Country show, which is very loosely based on H.P. Lovecraft stuff, uh, also takes place <clears> in Mass- <throat> the Massachusetts area. And instead of Arkham, they call it Artem, but it doesn't really matter. Why is there a reason for that? Do you know? Did he I'm, I'm, live in that area? Why? Yeah, I think he. I think he lived in Boston. I'm not exactly okay. sure. Don't quote me on that. Maybe or maybe he just like liked the area or from there. Uh, it's about this unnamed surveyor. He comes to this town. I think it's called Arkham, and uh, he comes across this uh, blasted heath, quote unquote blasted heath. And what that is is like this plot of land where it's just gray and there's like ruins of a of a building and there's this well. Uh, it's all the foliage. It's very gray, it. though. It's it's all gray. It's like ashy, you know. Like it's it's like it's like yeah. it's like a nuclear holocaust area. Well, it's like it's a, just secluded yeah. to this little area, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's like, interesting. What what's going on about this? He starts investigating. He starts looking around. He starts asking the people in the town what's going on there, and he starts hearing about this story that happened almost. I think it's like. 50 years back i think whatever happened there and it's been a while to go, yeah he's he's told to go check up on this guy named ami pierce and ami pierce is this local loon just kind of an old crazy guy old man. by himself crazy old man and he's like he probably he just sits go. in a rocking chair all day you know yeah outside of a general <laughs> store yeah just telling stories and uh he's like okay so he goes check checks in on ami pierce and ami pierce is the guy that's basically re- relaying the story to our narrator. So it's not... Yeah, so it's that's, not, the story begins in amidst the conversation of these two. Exactly. Because isn't the surveyor trying to build a dam or something? I think you're thinking about the movie. Uh, I thought there was something about that in the book, too. Probably. I, have, I It's been a couple days since I read the book, but uh, in the movie, I think, yeah, you're right. Uh 
for the sake of argument, it doesn't really matter because he's a surveyor. And the other character in the movie is a surveyor as well. So, same thing. He was going to do something. He was checking out the land. He was they wanted the to. They, they were proposing something. Like a, exactly. Yeah, like a dam or, or irrigation. I don't know. Some, something like that. So, Ami relays the story of 50 years ago when this meteor hits in this area very close to his neighbors, the gardeners. And yeah, proceeds, like right, right by their farm. Like right by their farm. And what proceeds after the meteorite is just sheer terror. And, Horrific and, nightmares. Yeah. And everything. beautiful colors. Oh, most be, be, colors that are not on our spectrum. So, like, it's hard to imagine. No, in the fact, movie did you might great. say that the colors are out of space. Ooh. Hey, ooh. I'm sorry. That's right. Um, and the story that he tells, like... And the way that it's told, how H.P. Lovecraft kind of builds this, builds the story up. Like I said earlier, there's no real dialogue, even though this is like on a, a it's it's a bout of conversation that's going on. But there's no real dialogue going on until later on in the in the story. Uh, it's very interesting how he builds up the terror. So when the meteor hits, it everybody's like, "What's going on here? Like, why did this meteor hit?" And <clears throat> as they like. As they're investigating it, not only the gardeners, but they have local scientists come and they take samples from the rock. I believe the rock is the meteor starts shrinking, like smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. until there's uh, almost no trace. And I believe there's like it gets struck by lightning a couple of times, and that's when it disappears entirely. And at after that point, all of the evidence of the meteor is gone. I think they noticed that like some of the foliage around the meteor is starting to turn gray and they were like okay that's weird uh but it's yeah, not the meteor the... itself is gone at that point but don't they still see like the colors sometimes yeah they i think they just like notice like uh colors on the ground i mean i can't exactly remember but the story doesn't pick up again until the following uh season and what happens the following season is that the father of the family the gardeners uh nahum uh name Nain- Car- Nain- gardener I, that's another thing I want to mention is that these names that H.P. Lovecraft used are so bizarre. You know, well, it was I don't know 1926 like, or whatever. You know, that's what I was. Thaddeus I was thinking is one of the is one of the boys. Yeah, that's probably like John back then. You know, everybody's named Thaddeus. Well, I think John was John. John's been around a long time. <laughs> yeah, touche. Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, very bizarre names. I think it's I, th- I think it's pretty cool. It makes it it gives it a a flavor that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But the following season, after the meteor hit, uh, Nahum Gardner has a uh, he's he's it's harvest season for all his fruits and veggies that he's growing or whatever his crops. And it is a and, bountiful one, and it's a bountiful one exactly. Mm-hmm. We're talking big old tomats, big old We're tomats, big old watermelons, potats. watermelons the size of a sheep, the shape of a sheep too. What do you think you can grow in? Massachusetts like is there uh but you can grow lots like I live, yeah. we live in Calgary and I grow a whole bunch of stuff and it is an arctic tundra here that's true yeah yeah, yeah. and you're doing quite a good job um have some like flush. you said <laughs> oh I will um like you said Steve the harvest is bountiful but what becomes very apparent is that none of this food is edible tastes it's like all, shit it's all really like big shit. um and and like it looks great but it all tastes awful 
It all tastes awful. But I think that's what kind of does them in is that they started noticing weird tastes from the food, uh, weird tastes from the water. And over time, as they're consuming the land around them, the, the land that's been uh, affected by the meteorite, they slowly start to lose their mind. And at the same time, the land around them is starting to like gray up, turn to it's dust. It's being affected as well in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Plants are yeah, dying. Yeah, the land is literally turning gray, uh, getting crusty and ew, hardened. Yeah, yeah. it's infertile it's soils, like mummifying. You know, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or petrifying. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not a pleasant process, and it's happening to the animals as well. You know, like the yeah. animals are starting to gray. The up. Animals are having a really rough time. Turns out that it's not. Yeah, they uh, their skin's turning inside out. Um, you know, they are not doing well. Might need to call the veterinarian. Yeah. Um, and as this is happening, you know, Nam's wife, I can't remember her name. I think it's Nabby. She starts to go crazy. She starts losing her mind. So Mm -hmm. Nam is like, okay, I'm going to put you up in the attic. And then his kid, one of his kids starts going crazy. And he's like, fuck, I don't know what to do with this. And he puts that one in the attic. (laughs) Yeah. Or doesn't he put that one in the well? No, he puts him in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and constantly, like, he's going to uh, Ami's house to, like, tell his story of, of what's happening. And he's kind of going crazy himself. And Ami's like, okay, I this is really weird and bizarre. And I think there's a, there's a point as well where Ami and Nam go back to the farm. And uh, Ami is almost like confronted by the, the color, you know, like I think he goes into the house to go see, uh, Nabby, Nabby and one of the kids, like the wife and the kid that are up in the attic and he goes up there and the color actually comes out of. Yeah. The, uh, super bright. Yeah. And sort of I, like I consumes him. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really come out of anywhere more than it just kind of like envelops the room and then disappears. Yeah. You know, the way yeah, H.P. Like, Lovecraft, hey, what's up? Yeah, the way that H.P. Lovecraft writes this is, it's so up to interpretation. Like it's it's kind of hard to like know exactly what's happening because it's just it's almost at that point when you're reading it, it's about the rhythm, you know. And yeah. maybe it's because yeah, I was uh, I was listening, to, I was reading it, and listening to it on an audiobook at the same time. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out the HP Lovecraft Society audiobook, I think you can get it on Audible. Uh, that is like a super comprehensive collection of all the short story collections. Um, Ooh, nice. Or all the short stories. And it's dope. And the narrator does it in the way, the the person in the audiobook, that it just has this rhythm start building up, you know? And you start getting this like really, really, really tense moment with the with the color enveloping the room and it just disappears. And then it's stuck. And then we're with Amy at the top of the stairs and he's about to go downstairs and he's just the, he hears like knockings and very bizarre sounds going on. I think at this point as well, um, when this situation happens, I might be getting it wrong or maybe I'm fixing my maybe I'm fixing this situation. Uh, Nahum is already like dying, like it's it's almost yeah. like his last. It's his he's, last. He's go. pretty banged up. There's not a lot of first person accounts in this story. That's the other thing, though. Well, it's not even a first because it's, it's being told by by the perspective of the old man. Totally. So it's uh, 
it's like all second person and third person. Yeah, so when things start going wrong, we don't really know the entire details of what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. In in each case, what we do usually know is that there's bright, crazy lights, um, mm-hmm. and color. Or sorry, not lights, colors. Um, bright colors that they can't explain are in in every occurrence. They are they are the constant that uh, that. That happens yeah. here. So, I mean, name is, you know, he's not doing well. <laughs> he's not doing well. I think that's uh, where Amy goes and talks to him, and then uh, Nam has this little like, like uh, monologue. It's the it's one of the only parts of the of the story that's actually uh, quoted. Like it's an actual like dialogue piece, and it's constantly slow slow read. It I can't exactly remember what he's saying, but it all kind of comes down to the fact that like he's saying like the color it's it's doing this it's it's causing us to do it's it's making us sick it's it's done this to it's our consuming crops. the uh, it's consuming the life force i think is what he says something along that the lines like that it's consuming the life force of everything it comes in in contact with yeah and i think he makes a mention of where the where the color could have come from and like probably from space. space. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does I take mean, them a there's... little while to piece together that the that it was probably the meteorite um that is causing this because the meteorite did was it a meteorite or a meteor? It's yeah, a meteorite. It was a me- meteorite. Because the meteorite crashed uh a year prior. So, I'm yeah. sure they had forgotten about it and then it just disappeared on its own. So it yeah. it does take them a while to even piece together that that is uh, high potential from where it came from. Yeah, exactly. Um, even though us as readers already know, it takes them a little. It takes them a little while, like you said. Um, and I think, and then after this whole point, Ami fucking bails. He gets at the hell yeah. out of that situation, and I think he comes back with a, a group of six or seven guys to go check up on the place and like do like a thorough investigation, maybe even get Nam's remains. Cause I, I think at that point, Ami's like, they're probably all dead at the, well, yeah, they're point. just going, there's to, like a kid. That... Yeah. They're going to see, see the damage, damage control. The kids are missing. Yep, yeah. Yep. Th- Thaddeus. And what's the other boy's name? There's fat Thaddeus, uh, Merwin, uh, Nam's the dad. And I can't remember. There were three kids, I think. Gotcha. Thaddeus, Merwin, and another one. And I think Thaddeus was the one that went crazy and put upstairs. Merwin uh, disappears. And, uh, oh, I'm looking it up right now. And the final son is Zenas, And he also disappears. So two of the, two of the three sons are gone. They but don't, don't they find... Are. But so... So the group of people that head up to the farm, don't they find the the two bodies of the boys in the well? To- totally. I think I don't know if it was both boys, but it was definitely one of them. Okay. You know they they, they find uh, maybe you know what? Since I have the Wikipedia page open, oh yeah, both of them. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, you're both. Right. So they find them. They find both of them at the bottom of the well, uh, and they start 
they start basically collecting the remains and start putting up a start like you said damage control however at this point they stir something in the well they make they make a some sort of they piss it off in some sort of way yeah well it turns and out that it's that sort of concentrated in the well the well is yeah I guess, the well like plays a big where part it's living question mark or where yeah. it's yeah i don't know um definitely a concentration of i it think there. it ha- I think it because it's the water. I think maybe the color is like they like the more drawn to a water source or I something guess. like that. That's all we got to go on. Dark hole, maybe. It likes a dark hole. I mean, hey, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So it concentrates in the well, and they piss it off trying to get those kids out of the well to get their remains. I guess to give them some sort of proper burial, even though this family all went kind of insane. Um, but they piss off the well and the color starts like rising and everybody basically bails the situation. They run into the house and they just like, like hope for the best. And essentially what happens at this point is the color rises and rises and rises and rises and shoots off into the sky and disappears. But there's a small piece of the color that remains in the well. And that's enough for the rest of the fan or rest of these people just to like, fuck off i am not dealing with this anymore. well doesn't isn't like, they just the they run that, away but only one of them looks back and sees it yeah i think it was Ami. yeah i think Ami and, saw he, it. and he looks back and sees that little bit go back into the well but he's the only one who looked back and he also chooses not to tell them oh and but that's i mean sort, I of, I don't sort re- of the ending of the story yeah, I, 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 I must have missed that part. And yeah, and then it cuts back to, um, uh, na- uh not Nam or uh, the old or the, our, narrator, un- na- unnamed narrator. Uh, and it's almost like the end of the story is almost like a plea to, to deal with this situation. I believe. Well, he's also because he does go back to that sort of. So you said you wanted to build a dam here or whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know. Make of that what you will with the information I just gave you, and please resolve that. Yeah, he exactly. Um, and the and the short story ends with uh, the narrator basically going home, kind of digesting this whole story, wondering if Amy lied to him at all, maybe to get him out of the situation. And he doesn't believe he lied to him. It just seems like this is a true story, and it's going to be something that haunts him for years. And already has. Yep, and then it already has, uh, and then his face turns inside out, and that's the end. <laughs> oh, I mean that part did happen in the book, let's say. Yeah, no, now, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about getting faces turned inside yeah, so. out because this color out of space movie is fucked. Yeah, so the color out of space movie uh, is is out there and it <clears throat> is uh so it takes it, it's pretty much the same story um almost beat for beat from what we get in the uh it's an, in the short story it's an interesting it's an interesting remix of the of the original story yeah you know like, it is because it's, it's the one there's a couple big things here is that with it being a movie we get to uh, get to know the characters and, and learn a lot more about them than we do in the story. And we get to see firsthand what they're all experiencing. 
We yeah, exactly. We're seeing it from their perspective, also, not through another person. Exactly. Eyes. So there's so the whole setup of the story being told with the narrator, um, of course, a, or a, Amy, uh, yeah, of course, is not at play here. Does not happen because we don't we don't need a narrator. We're seeing the story unfold. The other really big thing here is that because this is, of course this is a visual medium now, we can see the color. Uh, in yeah. the story, the color is just described as a color that they can't describe. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's described as impossibly described. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, <laughs> it's a beautiful blend of uh, you know turquoise and bright pink and very sort of and purples, eighties um, almost vapor wavy uh, blend of colors, almost like the Northern yeah. Lights. But more, uh, but more like on acid. If you look at the Northern Lights on acid, it, and they were blue and pink, then you know, okay, now we're I think we're we're on the yeah, same page. Yeah. Um, you got it. Yeah, and so those things right there make for an entirely different story, because uh, yeah, yeah, you know, in the in the in the short story in the in the. In the text, you know, we we find out things don't go well for for our characters. In the movie, we see that things don't go well for our characters by, say, maybe their skin turning inside out or, you know, something <laughs> along those lines. Exactly. I think it's worth mentioning right now that this this movie is directed by Richard Stanley. And I don't, I don't know if... Are you familiar with Richard Stanley at all? The director? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's another movie. Have you seen Mandy? No, actually, this guy did not uh, direct Mandy. I looked it but up. But he's involved with it, is he not? I think he's like a producer or something in it. I'm pretty sure there's a strong. Um, this. I'm pretty sure there's a. Uh, whoever the strong creative force is on both of these movies, I'm pretty sure. I'm, is Nick Cage? Yeah, is Nick Cage. No, I'm pretty sure that they both have, um, it, whether it's the writer or producer, director, there is a strong connection between the both of them and like a lot of the same people. Right. Um, what I wanted to say is that Richard Stanley, uh, if you're, if anybody's not really familiar with him, he's like this B movie. Uh, he's he's been a career B movie guy since like the late 80s early 90s in fact he he directed a a version an adaptation of the island of dr moreau back in 90 or early to mid 90s i guess that featured val kilmer and marlon brando i think it probably killed marlon brando to oh, definitely and so Richard Stanley is already known for making these very bizarre, weird stories. In fact, uh, so bizarre and so weird, and here's a little connection that you might have not known, Steve, is that he's featured on the Hodorowsky's Dune uh, documentary. Oh, wow. So, uh, it's a little so time. he's a big fan of Hodorowsky and outside media, and uh, they brought him on as an interviewee for that documentary to talk about Dune and how Hodorowsky uh, approached Dune. So there's a little bit of connection here between H.P. Lovecraft and Dune, which I love, baby. Um, so, like I said, Richard Stanley is a very out there, outsider art sort of thing. And paired with Nick Cage, oh boy, you're gonna get a lot of wackiness. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> Nick Cage is on. He's full. He is fully on at, in this movie, and we get some great scenes yeah. of him. Uh, you know, that's the the scene we were just we were just uh, 
describing of the enlarged crops at the end of the season, the big tomatoes that taste like shit. Well, if you want to see Nick Cage screaming about tomatoes for, you know, a solid (laughs) 45 seconds, we got it here. It's it's longer There's than 45 There's also a great scene when he's trying to get the car to start, and it won't start. And he just, yeah. again, longer than 45 seconds, loses his mind. He's just punching the roof. He's punching the steering wheel. He's just screaming. I, I was talking to a friend last night, and I was like, I was explaining that scene to him. Because he also watched uh, Color Out of Space. And I was like, what do you think um, the director says to Nick Cage when they want him to go crazy? Because I don't think it's like action. It I don't think the director like, makes that choice. Like a, a <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. I think Nick, I think Nick, I'm going to call him, uh, I think he is fully in charge. Yeah. It's funny because while we're on the note of Nick Cage, it's, you know, people sometimes have polarizing opinions on him. And if you look at Nick Cage maybe 10 years ago, his work was still, I mean, I, I was a fan, but 10 years ago there was a point when he was sort of, a little all all over the place, but he sort of leaned into. He sort of learned how to harness his power, his his full yeah. cage. When he, you know what I mean. He, sometimes he turns it on, and sometimes he doesn't. And it's uh, it's just interesting to see what he is capable of as an actor, and then also the choices that he makes as an actor. Uh, but I think he's great. It's, I love him. He's. He is, uh, he is a, he is brilliant. He is brilliant. Like in everything that I've seen him, I don't think I've ever seen him really half-ass anything, uh, oh, other than well, I'm um, sh- yeah, well, I'm sure he has. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, I think there's been movies where he's just it doesn't. It there are movies that he has been in that doesn't harness the cage, you know, that don't know. That, but that again, know I think it's to, his choice. I don't think it's yeah, the to turn it on and off. I think it's him. I think he knows. Mm. I think he's fully aware of what he's doing. Exactly. Okay. So he does really help. We, he, we... he does really. Uh, he does great things for this movie. I'm really glad he's in it. Most of the rest of the cast, I'm was pretty unfamiliar with, except the yeah, not a lot of the little boy with names. glasses. He was the little boy in the haunting, haunting of Hill, Hill House, House series. And he's just a cute little boy, and we all love him from Haunting of Hill House, and it was so fun to see him. And the really fun part about this movie is we get to see him become fused to his mother's back, <laughs> and their skin is just awful and falling off, and they it's turn into a big spider monster. Fucking nightmare. Um, I wonder if we should just like do a quick uh, summary of the – I mean, it's probably not going to be going to spend just, 10 minutes just, talk- but, Just talk about whatever you want to talk about it because it's relatively the same. I mean, the summary is basically it, it's the same it is, story. But it, isn't. it it is, but it isn't. Like like I said earlier, it's like, it's like this weird remix thing. So instead of it being relayed, like we talked about, it's like it's from the perspective of the family. The narrator, the surveyor in the story, is actually a character by the name of Ward Phillips. And he comes to – that's when we were talking about earlier when he comes to this town, Arkham, to like say, hey, we're going to be building this dam. I'm going to be doing some like tests on the water to just make sure everything's okay. Meteor stuff happens. And he's kind of in – he's kind of like the 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 everyman, the main character of this story, the, the mm-hmm. like the narrator. And uh, we kind of watch ha- how this whole thing just kind of – falls apart around him he's getting taken from 
the the farmhouse and he's he's working with the police and he's he's jumping all over the place he's a big part of the story um he sort of fills the place of all of the townsfolk too and now there are some townsfolk in this movie but you know the whole sort of like mob that shows up at the end of the story in this version is just a surveyor and a cop yeah exactly um and it's not after the uh the it's not after the events have already happened it's when the events are happening and the real big difference here is how the color affects people as you mentioned already uh in in the original story in, instead of fusing people together in these horrible grotesque uh, skin inside out monsters it uh they in the original story they turned them into dust so that was a huge creative jump from uh the original mm-hmm. story uh and i think it works really well in this in this context you know making it far more grotesque and violent makes it way more visual visually appealing than as a short story cuz like i was thinking about this when i was watching it i was like how are they going to make it scary when they just turn gray and die yeah. you know you can make them like go crazy but this movie seems like oh, we'll it turn the little cute little boy and his mother into there. a nightmare mo- spider monster. That'll be fun. And then yeah. we'll have it spit on the that daughter's is, face. That is probably the most grotesque part of the movie. But this movie is violent in a couple of ways. There's this uh, the they replace one of the sons uh, with a with a daughter in this story, and she's like this. Yeah, she's witch witchy she's girl. spooky like, she does she... a little uh, satanic ritual of some sort at some point she's carving things into her hands and her face i think yeah there's a, yeah and that's that's another part i want to talk about is that she's trying to like harness this like fantasy power this witch this this witch power to kind of combat the color which doesn't work at all but there's a scene where she's like cutting herself like she is like putting all these marks of pentagrams and shit on, on yeah she on was carving a word and it almost looked uh, like she was carving love or something into her i mean she was writing lovecraft on her hands i don't know and then she carved yeah i think a pentagram <laughs> on like her shoulder and a yeah. weird little like diamond into her right in between her eyebrows yeah yeah and it's a it's an interesting i don't know what they were what they were trying to do with it, but it's a cool way to add more visual sustenance. You know, I don't know if it adds anything like in terms of story. I mean, we do know that it's the meteorite and the color from space doing things, but I believe she does the ritual like right before shit starts getting really crazy. Like right before the fusion of the, the, I think it's like, or is it right it's after? It's like almost in, in i think it's almost like in conjunction with each other yeah so maybe that actually has something to do with that in some in in some capacity i don't know because well aside from that fusion no one else is getting fused well yeah the the alpaca scene is fucked that is fucked (laughs) and there are two there are two alpaca scenes there's one where the kids discover the alpacas and it is super gross Mm -hmm. and then there's another scene where no and then there's uh, one with nick cage (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage just goes full on full cage. Full cage. He just he just goes in with a shotgun and he shoots like twenty all zombie alpacas. Yeah, that are all fused together and screaming. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I guess they are it's fused gross. together. 
yeah it's it's super gross um and he's screaming every time he's shooting one because like he loves these alpacas yeah, he just screams the whole time <laughs> yeah it's great stuff do you think he ta- he has a vocal coach so he can scream as much as no, he does i don't i no? don't think he answers to anyone well i think he knows everything he needs to know i think he is an absolute master of his craft and he chooses every fucking move that he that he that he does like a game of chess Oh, yeah, you're totally right. I I love this. There's a there's a there's a Nick Cage psyche that is worth studying. Like he'll be he'll be he'll be looked at for years. You know, I hope so. Long long after he's gone, we'll be we'll be looking at the work of Nick Cage and just and even when he's normal in this movie, he has this way about him that's like over the top. You know, oh, yeah. like. Like at the beginning scene where they're like having dinner and it's just like it's still just a normal family just hanging out. He's like, "Okay, pumpkin. All right, honey. I'm going to get wine from the cellar." Do 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 do. He's like, great. It's, he's happy cage. He's just. He's also got these recurring arms throughout the film, where he's watching television, and his arms are all weird, getting all weird and spacey, and yeah. the TV's getting all pink and colory and. uh yeah i don't even know what's going on there the color is kind of communicating with him and somehow and he's usually rambling nonsense stuff or like speaking to it there's a point where he's just speaking to his wife as if she's there but of course she's a monster upstairs in the attic but uh yeah i think that's uh when ward comes back at the end of the store at the end of the movie um like they did at the end of the story but he's alive. Nick Cage is alive, and he's like pointing into his living room. Like Ward is saying, "Like, where's your family?" And he's like, "They're all right here. There's my wife. She's right there." Yeah, and he's and pretty much lost she's it. Right there. He's pretty much lost it, he's, and he's, he's pretty gone. calm. They go up. The surveyor and the cop go upstairs to the attic because they hear screaming. And when they get up there, they find that the daughter is pinned down by the mother-son monster spider. And the mom's just kind of going, hanging her head, shaking her head over the top of the face, just going like, like just kind of like drooling on her, like something that a monster would definitely not do. But you know, in a movie they do it. But in reality, a monster would just eat your face immediately. It's not going to just like it's not going to. The monster doesn't care about suspense or the build of terror. Yeah, you know. Um, and then uh, and then Nick Cage pops in and blows the head off of his monster wife with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that he does it there because, like, there's that other scene earlier in the movie where he was about to uh, kill them. Yeah, after the alpacas, he was going to go kill them, and he didn't. Yeah, instead gave her his wife a bunch of really gross kisses where she had, like, goo all over her mouth and his mouth. Well, it was after he killed the alpacas, and it's the blood that he had. So it's alpaca. It was alpaca. It was alpaca blood? Color blood. I thought it was monster blood. It was alpaca blood. No, no, no! It was alpaca blood because he just killed the alpacas when he did that, and he was gonna go do the same with his fan, with his uh, wife and son, yeah. to put him down. But he's also like he's gone at this point. He is crazy, and he's like saying this gibberish, and he's trying to say that he'll make it right. So there's like a part of him that Nick Nick Cage is doing a great job at this too. Nick, he's a part of him that's trying to stay grounded and like be the the anchor point for his family to kind of support his son and daughter in this situation and there's another part of him that is full nick cage oh yeah that is just off the rails oh yeah <laughs> he's full cage i mean and then so um 
And then so one of the other the other son, uh, at a point in between all of this, before the before the wife monster is put down, the other son falls down the well. He he goes down the well. Exactly. What is it? He, he goes down the well looking for the dog. He hears a dog down there, I think. Yeah, he's convinced that the dog is down there, so they're gonna go they're gonna go get him. But like that's just He climbs about halfway dumb. down the well, bright color comes out, he gone. He gone. He long gone. Um and I think it's at <clears throat> that's kind of where the point in the story where things start getting that that's in the movie where things start to get really real. Um at the end of the movie like like at the end of the of the story with the the six guys or the the gang of guys uh watching the color rise out of the well the uh a similar situation happens but i don't think the color does the color just fly away again or no it kills the shit out of them i can't remember it flies out oh and it goes exactly yeah it it goes it, it comes out and they see it but it's just the surveyor and the cop and i think maybe the girl yeah right the girl is there, the and that's what I wanted to talk about. Is that the girl, the the daughter, is uh, like do, doing this like outstretched arm thing, yeah. and it does a it does like a a zoom in on her her face, and I think it's what we get to see where the uh, the color is from, and it's like this weird alien planet with all this flubber around <laughs> only way we can explain it uh we see this like mountain that at the crest it's at it's at the same shape that the girl's mark on her forehead is mm-hmm. like so it's very possible that i think they're kind of alluding to the fact that maybe the color took her well it didn't kill her like, brought, or it didn't like like it might have killed her but it didn't turn her inside out or fuse her to an alpaca or anything she just sort of like hovered around exactly. in the air and she had like she had like glowing eyes like looking you know like she was yeah She'll look, like she look like the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And then um, Ward goes back into the house to to run away from this situation. Uh, I think Nick Cage... Nick Cage is shot at some point during By this, the cop, uh, right? During this situation. By the cop. And then... And there's another thing that we haven't even mentioned yet. Tommy Chong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. He gets real dead. Tommy Chong is in this fucking movie. He's real dead. But Tommy Chong is also... Tommy Chong is great in this, actually. Love him. Like, even though he's not really doing um, anything, like, super acting heavy, I think he's just playing more of a hyper-realized version of himself or just people he knows. As he usually does. Old, bizarre, weird guy that lives in a shed in the forest, and he's listening to voices in the ground, and he's only li- he's only been hearing these voices since the meteor hit. And Tommy Chong plays him to a T. And there's a point in this end end series here, or in in this ending uh, scene where uh, the officer and Ward go to Ezra's place. Uh, that's Tommy Chong's character's name is Ezra, Ezra uh, to investigate what's going on there. Ezra's real dead. Some sort of like oh, he's dead. His face is melted. It's like face is melted. It's it's not exactly clear what killed him, but probably just yeah. He, but he he's, he's gone. probably the color. Probably the color. Um, and there's a tape going on in the background he he's had pre-recorded uh that's going off i guess it's on loops or whatever saying that the the color is trying to turn the planet into what it, it into what it's from so that's when they leave and i believe at this point the sheriff is killed by a tree <laughs> yeah he sure is they yeah this is when the color shoots out of the well they start running and a tree just sort of 
plucks the sheriff up, pulls him up, jams a bunch of branches through his neck, and, uh, and Ward just hightails it out of there. And, uh, and he com- I think actually before he leaves, he sees Nick Cage sitting in the house again. Yeah, he goes back to the house, and Nick Cage is still alive after getting shot, but he is like... Well, he's not alive. Yeah, no, he's... But he's sitting now in the chair. And he, and he it certainly looks like he's alive, but when he turns, he's got the cosmo, he's got the cosmic spooky eyes. He's got the color in him, and uh, and his his skin is also all messed up, and uh, yeah, he's clearly it almost is like he's a he's become a host mm-hmm. for the color at that point. Yeah. Um and then this is when Ward hightails it out. And I mean and that's pretty much the end. Well he we do get him he, he hightails it into the back. into the wine cellar. He goes into the wine cellar and then the the color basically destroys the area. Like the house topples over, everybody is killed. Um yeah. and then Ward comes out of the rubble. Uh and that's when he leaves, and it kind of just more or less ends on a uh like how the movie opened up with a narration from Ward. It ends on uh, Ward's narration, basically saying that like he's never going to drink that water that's uh, that's in this town, and it's not really said or explained or even determined that the color has left yet. According to Ward, the color is still there, and it's still going to be it's going to be slowly turning this planet into exactly what it wants to be, and uh, yeah, that's real spooky. And it is, and it is still there to this very day. Yeah, you can go so. Is Arkham a real place? I'm going to do a quick Google search. It's got to be. Arkham, Massachusetts. Oh, it's fictional. It's fictional. Dang. Not a real place? Well, probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah, because I wouldn't want to go there. Um, nope. So, I actually really like this movie. <laughs> it's not perfect. And I enjoy the movie, too. The movie is definitely not uh, everyone's cup of tea because it is uh, horrific. And very disturbing. It's a, uh, it's kind of a brilliant way to do an H.P. Lovecraft uh, mm-hmm. movie. Just take take all the uh, insinuations that Lovecraft uh, puts out there, like that Lovecraft doesn't actually physically describe, and make it and and fucking like dial it up to eleven and make it really weird. Make it really really weird. Yeah, absolutely. And and even like I liked. Um... Of course, this is a modern take. Like it's set in a modern, pretty modern time, and uh, the original story is set in like nineteen in the nineteen twenties. So in the original story, people are riding horses. Um, yeah. There's not really much mention of electricity, really at all. Here, though, we no. do get in the movie. We do get a lot of mention of electricity and uh, how the color like the just sort of, yeah, the color, uh, the color shorted out. I guess the the phone, the internet the cars all the electricity basically um i guess not all the electricity the tv worked but really i guess that's I mean, just an easy way to explain those things away but i thought it was cool yeah yeah i which one do you think you liked more the book or the i movie? mean i liked the movie more because uh no i think i i don't know the i think the movie is longer than the book like in terms of like yeah, it is. The book's quote, short. Quote, unquote. The book's short. But that's, what's, that's what I like about the book is that they really are two separate things mm-hmm. because, because the book is its, own, is, its, its own thing and it doesn't show us the horror 
and that is you know we we get to sort of decide for ourselves in a lot of cases of how this is play, how this is playing out exactly um yeah so if you you know if you are looking for a little terror but maybe not necessarily a horrific sight that's going to scar you um the book can Probably definitely provide story. that yeah <laughs> whereas the movie uh is definitely not for everyone in those regards i could i could read this book more often than i could watch this movie I could read the story more mm. often than I could watch this movie because after a few times of watching, like I, I, like I watched the movie, I don't really need to watch it again. Maybe I could watch it once, once more, but at a certain point, it's just, you know, horrific yeah, nightmares on seen... loop and I've already got <laughs> enough of those. Oh boy, does he. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's actually a really good way to, to say that to, you probably enjoy the, the story more or read the story more than watch the movie. I think the story um, is much more digestible. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I think, I feel like I agree uh, mostly because I think there's more to kind of chew on in terms of like, like I, I still to this moment, I've read the story once, but I don't understand everything that happens in that story. You know, there's, there's still a lot. Yeah, to, like, I would like to revisit of, it. I'll revisit it many times for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the movie does have different layers. Of course, there's the Nick Cage layer, which I feel is an unfair comparison. Maybe if we got an audiobook version where Nick Cage could read the story. Oh, my God. That would be good. That would be great. That is brilliant. That would be some. Nick yeah, I think Cage they're actually both very, very good companion pieces to each other. Um, I think yeah. the movie is a very nice companion piece to the uh, to the story if you're into that sort of thing mm, mm-hmm, mm. because just because um, you're into lovecraftian horror does not necessarily mean you will be into the movie yeah you know there's so many different like lovecraft even his own stories but lovecraft is like almost its own genre you know you don't mm-hmm. have to be hp lovecraft to write an, a but lovecraft it's, but it's rare story. to find a lovecraft fan who likes all of the lovecraftian stuff that's out there because it's no, very I... wide it's a very wide spectrum of horror and some people pick and choose the pieces they like out of it some people just you know hang out with cthulhu all day um some people envelop themselves in all of it and are all about all of it some people can't stand yeah. any of it it's a it's a huge body of work to get into. Like the how many short stories do you think he has? Like I have no idea. Fifty. I I actually like, have no idea. Short stories is probably like fifty or something like that. And then he's actually got a couple of books, uh, that are, that are also like, uh, its own thing. Um, do you think that there's a way? <laughs> Here's a fun question. Do you think that there's a way to turn this movie as the as the uh, beginning? uh introduction installment of a lovecraft universe oh i mean absolutely there is because you could actually do you could do anything you wanted after this movie because with it ending with the color just sort of disappearing or going into this girl and going or going back to space like any of the above you can take it in any direction you want literally anything you could just have the color become a catalyst for any story yeah yeah, I mean, you can even do you like you just have um, the color take like you could have it take over Earth, and then that becomes now 
Lovecraft planet. You could have it shoot back into space and it goes back to a Lovecraft planet or it makes a new planet. Yeah. Or whatever it does. Or even like the fact that it's um it's tainting water. It, it might turn it it might make like a creature like to Cthulhu, like a giant monster out of the sea, or maybe attract a giant monster out of the sea. Exactly. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be far to go. It wouldn't be hard to get there. How do you, how do we get Nick Cage to be in all of these? Do we just we change cast the him character? As Big old Nick Cage <laughs> face with squid shooting out of the side of his nose. <clears throat> but I really enjoyed this, and I think we uh, will be revisiting some uh, some more Lovecraft. Totally, it's a little bit of a longer episode, but of course, this is a one and this is done. A special one. This is a special episode. This is a one and done contained story. You know. I guess fortunately yeah. we're not going to talk about this one for two months, which would probably do more damage <laughs> to my psyche than Dune is currently doing to me, and it's doing damage. <laughs> it's doing it is doom damage. damage. Yeah, I'm loving you fall apart while we're reading, reading that book. You know, so am I, because that's <laughs> life is all about uh, unexpected challenges or something. I don't know, but uh, you know, it's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking it out with us, folks. And if you've got yep. any thoughts on this one or any recommendations, that's a big one we would like. We would like actually, because we will be doing this going forward. Um, if any of you, if there are any Lovecraftian uh, fans, if there are any Lovecraft fans out there, uh, who, if you have some favorite stories that you think we should do, um, absolutely, please send them to us because we want them. Because <laughs> we want your recommendations. <laughs> I don't know what I'm, you know. Yeah. Nice uh yeah yeah and uh we'll be we'll i don't know when our next episode will be i hope it's the next uh season starting um next episode we'll after let, this we'll let everybody dune. know should be us coming back with the dune season and then, yeah let's uh that's it so yeah thank you guys so much send us your recommendations for the next uh hp lovecraft or even whatever show, short story you want us to cover did i did i say the email i don't even think i said the email email us at uh chapter by chapter podcast at gmail.com uh, you can tweet us. You can tweet us at chap by chap, and you can go to our Instagram because we got one of those too. We got all the bullshits, and you can get us there at <laughs> chapter by chapter podcast. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to take us out, but uh, I guess I'll do it. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and. Uh, We'll see you guys when we start doing the Dune season, I guess. We'll see you in space. I don't fucking know. I don't like that. Uh, we'll see you inside of Dune. Just, you know what? Just cut everything I said and end for you. Just stick with you. Just stick with, just stick with you. Just stick with Dune. Just stick with Dune. Okay, uh, time to go. I'm keeping all of this in. Everybody's going to listen to all of this. Thank you all so much. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.